Hi, everyone. I know recently we announced we were going to two episodes a week and then three episodes a week. But you know what? There are just too many episodes. So we are going to back to five episodes a week. Still a reduction from seven, but there were just too many interviews scheduled, and I didn't want to make all the authors wait for too long. So I hope you can keep up with me. Listen to one a week as you're on your way to work or on your way home or putting your kids to bed or whatever it is you're doing. Moms don't have time to read books now five times a week. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, this is Zivi Owens, and you're listening to the award-winning podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. And speaking of books, I have two of my own books coming out this spring and summer. Princess Charming is a picture book, which debuts on April 19th, and Bookends, a memoir of love, loss, and literature comes out on July 1st, and it is truly a labor of love. I hope you'll pre-order, order, and join me on tour as I go across the country. You can find out more at zibbyowens.com or bookendsmemoir.com. And you can follow me on Instagram at zibbyowens because I always post about everything. Enjoy the show. Hey, everyone. I need your help. If you love this podcast, you will love my children's book. It's called Princess Charming, and I am really trying to drum up pre-order sales. You might not know this, but before a book comes out is actually a really important time for the whole book's trajectory. So please pre-order Princess Charming, which comes out April 19th today. Just stop what you're doing and go do that, please. When it arrives on April 19th, you can give it to a loved one in your life, a niece, a grandchild, a child, a student, a kid walking by on the street, anybody. But if you could do this, here is my offer. If you email me your receipt showing me that you bought the book online somewhere and pre-ordered it, email info at zibbyowens.com. That's info at zibbyowens.com. And I will pick 10 people to do a special giveaway project award to from my new Bonfire merch store, which you should also check out, which is um, the Zibby Owens Media Bonfire store where you can get all sorts of cool t-shirts and uh, 
tote bags and author sayings and all sorts of great stuff. So what did I say? 10 of you are going to get a special care package of your choice from the Bonfire store. And I will pick at random from all of you who pre-order the book. So if that wasn't clear, go pre-order Princess Charming. Again, it's called Princess Charming. It's my debut picture book. It's really cute and great. And it's illustrated by Holly Haddam. And then after you get the receipt, screenshot it or forward it to me at info at zibbyowens.com and you will be entered to win one of 10 exciting care packages. So go off and order. Thank you so much. Bye. Stephanie Ganji is the author of Carrie the Dog. She is a poet, novelist, short story writer, and essayist living and writing in New York City. Her debut novel, The Next, was published by St. Martin's Press, and her second, Carrie the Dog, is published by Algonquin Books. Ganji's work has appeared in, among others, Arts and Letters, Catapult, Electric Literature, Hippocrates Poetry Anthology, Lit Hub, McSweeney's New Ohio Review, Next Tribe, and The Wolfer. She's working on her third novel, The Good Provider. Welcome, Stephanie. Thank you so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books to discuss your beautiful novel, Carrie the Dog, which I was so captivated by. I loved it. I, you're a fabulous writer, and the story was haunting and just fantastic. And I, wow, it was great. Thank you so much. Thank you. First of all, of course, Zibi, for having me. I'm a follower of yours and a fan. <laughs> and I just really do from the heart want to thank you for how much you do for books and writers. It's, you know, been a saving grace for me reading and writing too in the last two years. And especially today, you know, with the current events, it's just it's such a refuge. And you are, you know, one of our Sherpas. So Aww. thank you. <laughs> Thanks for saying that. I know. I feel like this is my like dirty secret that I cope with everything by reading and like basically not dealing with everything. So I don't know. (laughs) I mean, it's better than other vices, I guess. So I don't know. Anyway. Okay. For people who aren't familiar with Carrie the Dog yet, could you give like your little elevator pitch about what it's about? Sure. So Carrie the Dog is about a woman who is taking stock of her life on the brink of age 60. And she's suffered trauma in her childhood and has figured out ways to navigate that trauma across a lifetime in ungraceful, awkward, wrong, crazy, and maybe not the healthiest ways. And yet, She has managed to make a life for herself and get where she is with all the trials and tribulations that we all experience. And now at 60, she's ready to go forward with more grace and more power. And she has to figure out what about herself provides that. And so it's a journey that is sounds very interior, and there are aspects of it that are very interior for her, but it's also, I think, a kind of a fun and um, also maybe even a little bit joyful journey for her, despite the trauma. Is that? That's pretty good. Yeah. yeah. Nice okay. job. I don't know why I start by putting all authors on the spot. It's really mean of me. I should I should really have a different introductory question, but I do like well, listeners. You would think by this point I would be able to have that roll off. <laughs> no. That's okay. That's all right. I love the photographer Sally Mann, and I did a whole paper on her in college, and I've been following her ever since, and read Hold Still, and you know, the whole thing. And so I was 
thinking about that photographer and how she took photos of her sort of inappropriate-esque, controversial photos of her yeah. children, her three children, two boys and a girl. And I was thinking about that until it came up in the book and you actually referenced Sally Mann and made it like she was like in conversation with her almost in a way, like there was a dialogue, like as art does. Tell me a little bit if that, influ- if her body of work influenced you, if that spurred this, I mean, what, what, or, or if that was related at all to what inspired you to write this story? Yeah. I mean, I am a huge Sally Mann fan, always have been. And, you know, that work was never something I saw as pornographic. Mm-hmm. It always felt to me like the children who were the subjects of her work, of course, much of her work, not all of her work, were very much themselves in the photographs. So this story is really about a mother who actually does exploit the kids and they are not themselves. They are avatars for her own ghosts and her own life being haunted. And she's trying to work out her own issues through the kids. I don't see that so much with Sally Mann. This is also a I read everything, you know, of course, Hold Still, the memoir, and looked at a million, zillion pictures. But this is also a mashup between Sally Mann, I think, and Diane Arbus. Mm -hmm. So Diane Arbus famously had a relationship with her poet brother, Howard Nemirov. And uh, sorry about the sirens. I'm sure you can hear that. I'm literally, I thought they were out my door. It's the same We could probably hear each other from across the park, but anyway. They're at at my door. (laughs) And so it's kind of a Sally Mann, Diane Arbus mashup through the lens of the art mother, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Like I really wanted to kind of explore that a little bit. I have, I'm a writer and I have adult daughters and I always think about what I write and how it impacts them. And in fact, in some cases, that even drives what I write or what I don't write. Mm, interesting. interesting. <laughs> yeah. So it was some always, it's always on my mind because I'm very respectful of them. And so I wanted to kind of explore what it would be like to explode that and not be respectful of the children. And just, I used the Sally Mann construct kind of as a device, mm-hmm. but it's, I would say if we're looking at it from a psychological level, it's more Diane Arbacy than anything. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. There was a passage, well, there were so many passages that I was telling you, I dog-eared like 20 different pages of beautiful prose, but there was one just towards the beginning that I think sets the scene about her relationship with her mother, the main character's relationship be with her mother. And so I'll just read this one paragraph just to show how great a writer you are at the least. But Miriam Marks is long dead, and yet she's inside me where she has been my whole life, from before my life, from when I was cells inside her trying to gang up and become a person. She seeped in with her low murmur and cigarette smoke and darkroom chemicals. She's dead, and yet when I catch a whiff of sour wine in last night's glass or the stubbed butts from my ashtray on the fire escape, it's like smelling salts. She's revived. Just the thought of green beans makes me gag, remembering how she would dump them from a can into a pot and heat them in their tinged water to show Albert she'd put something green on our plates. I would push them around with my fork, try to relax my throat, try to swallow to keep peace at the dinner table. Mary sat back with her wine, her cigarette, the squint that meant she was killing time until she could retreat to the dark room with the day's film. Thank so you. Good. I don't know. I could have read any passage, honestly, but that was a good intro. I mean, it's really the way she wrote about her mother. And obviously, so many people have complicated relationships 
with their own mother. But this is a particularly fraught relationship. And how, as especially, especially as an adult, how do you look back and come to terms with someone who purports to love you and yet in their actions shows you the opposite, right? That the person you're supposed to trust the most is the one who has betrayed you. How do you, how do you come to terms with something like that? Even further, you know, maybe even one step deeper is then that becomes your definition of love, right? Right. That's true. Yeah. Said this, uh, that is the atmosphere you breathe and it equals love. Mm-hmm. So through, without, you know, it's funny because every time I read for interviews, I'm so conscious, almost every other page has a spoiler on it. So, you know, there's a lot of plot, a lot of things happen and yep. some twists and turns. So, but, you know, the sense for B of figuring out how to define love for herself, mm-hmm. that path for her is not easy. Mm-hmm. And involves many, many compromises and mistakes yeah. and wrong turns. And yet she, there is some part of herself that wants love, of course, and needs it and understands that it is a lifelong quest for her. Mm-hmm. Even though she rejects therapy and she's not the most introspective person, but she understands that she's a seeker of love. And I hope that we all have the gift of that in our lives. I know it. I'm 66, and at my age, that is the number one goal: is more love, more love, more love. And so that I wanted to give be that revelation. It's amazing. At age 66, tell me about your writing career and this novel. And I love the idea of an older female protagonist because it is so important. I'm sort of obsessed as most people are with sort of what's coming next, right? Like I'm like very much craving all these you know, memoirs and novels about women a little older than me. Cause I, yeah. you know, just to, just to see, you know, like what's, this is like the older siblings kind of, I didn't have like, so yeah. tell me a little bit about writing at this sort of stage, if you will, and how your whole career has sort of led to here. Yeah. You know, my whole career, which is, I put in scare quotes because it, it was so fragmented and patchwork for many years. And I was always what I think Natalie Goldberg in Writing Deal on the Bones calls a shadow writer. Mm-hmm. So I always have had jobs like writing or a, some kind of writing, but it wasn't actually fiction or essays, the you know kind of writing I'm doing now. So I wrote my debut novel at age, uh, I published my debut novel at age 60 and I loved when you said, you know, I'm always looking to see what comes next because the title of that novel is The Next. And I am, I too, am always interested to see what comes next. I, I do feel that I've suddenly woken up as kind of a canary in the cold mine of aging. And, you know, it's, it is beautiful to see how many new voices I'm hearing, Mm -hmm. certainly when my mother was my age, no one was talking about aging. I think my mother, she had four sisters. They used to whisper the menopause (laughs) word on the phone. (laughs) So it's great to hear and see, you know, to hear and see also represented women my age. I don't know one woman. I have a lot of female friends and I don't know any who are like the stereotypes of what we've come to know over the years that the culture has fed us 
they're crazy dynamic and interesting and quite frankly, more than the men they're sometimes attached to. (laughs) The women all seem like all burners on, you know, just doing their thing, figuring out life at this age. And also like B, trying to figure out how to go forward with some grace and by integrating not only wisdom that they've acquired, but the many selves they've been, right? Like, I feel like I'm still adding selves and identity. And it's not a process that stops. You don't, you know, stop growing and sit in a rocking chair. That's just, I don't know anybody like that. So I don't have rocking chairs anymore. I know, exactly. Where'd they all go? Exactly. I wouldn't mind a rocking chair now. (laughs) So, you know, I guess my, you know, path here was one that was kind of traditional. I was raised to be a wife and mother. And I don't think I realized that that wasn't enough for me until my kids started getting a little bit older. Mm -hmm. And I looked at all the work I had done and it was always writer adjacent. And I'd always written and it was a hobby and I never centered it and frankly, never valued it. I never saw myself in a, in the group of people in the world that would be published. And so I started playing around with a novel at 55. I had a corporate job. I was director of corporate communications, you know, always like a writer. And I kind of, I, embarrassingly, but I'll say it, had a big heartbreak in my mid-50s. And, you know, after my marriage and I was divorced and I was with somebody and it was a big heartbreak. And I had a friend over a glass of wine, of course, say to me, you got to stop talking about it. Just write it. And I thought, hell, (laughs) it was like a thunderclap. Like, yeah, I, yeah. So I did. And I remember saying to one of my daughters, first of all, I did that secretly, the writing of that first book for at least a year. And then once I said to one of my daughters, you know, I'm thinking about submitting this to an agent. And they were astonished and proud and said, if not you, who, you know, Mm -hmm. because they're my kids. (laughs) So they think I'm good. Not everybody's kids would think their mom was good. I know I am. I am in. You're obviously uh, close with them, and you know, very close, and uh, and also very lucky. In fact, I'm working on a an essay right now about what I'm learning, what I'm learning from my adult daughters. Aww. They're 35 and 31, and every encounter is a learning for me. I think you know we the tables have turned. Anyway, so I submitted that book to an agent. And as I still had a corporate job, I was getting up at 4.30 in the morning and writing for two hours, you know, the usual story. And it got sent back to me probably three times, easily three times, if not more. And so, you know, at that juncture, I had to say, am I really sticking with this at 58? Or am I setting it aside and getting my nice corporate paycheck? And, you know, and I just threw the cards up in the air and decided to take a leave of absence from my job, which, which, you know, I live in New York City, so it's not necessarily the most financially sound decision (laughs) that I could have made. But it was like the one thing, only mine, Mm -hmm. that I had always wanted to do and never did. And the clock was ticking, 
you know, I was very conscious of that. And so that novel was published when I was 60. And this one was published when I was 65. And one of the things I love is that I insisted on putting my age in my back flap bio. Mm -hmm. Because I don't, I'm not invisible. I don't feel invisible. I know visibility is something we struggle with, but I feel I'm more visible to myself and denying everything that's come before seems crazy to me. So I, you know, felt compelled to say, this is who I am and this is what I've achieved. And I'm going to keep going, whether you like my age or not. (laughs) I love that. That's so inspiring. (laughs) It's so great. I mean, why not? The, the more experience you get and the wisdom and all of it, like it only makes you better, right? When we talk about practicing writing or practicing anything, it, it only stands to reason that older women should be better writers. There should yeah, be more you know, and it's more. Funny. The thing about, you know, this kind of new window onto, into aging, which by the way, is of course being pioneered in a sense by women. I mean, it's not the men talking about aging so much. It's women. And, you know, for cultural reasons, I understand that. But, you know, sometimes I read something and I have to remind myself that there's talking to me, you know, that I'm the aging person. I don't necessarily identify myself by my age. Mm -hmm. Now, that's not to say that age is just a number because I am a human in a body. So Mm -hmm. obviously I confront the mirror every single day, as does B. Mm -hmm. A mixed effect, you know, it's a mixed bag, right? But it I don't feel like defined by my age. Mm -hmm. So I sort of am a little tiny bit resistance of all this age-centric convo right Mm -hmm. now. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, it's absolutely 100% necessary. And, you know, I'm part of it. (laughs) I've written two books now about aging women and how they've had to adapt, but also how they resist adapting, which is also part of it, right? It's true. It's very true. true. (laughs) There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack 
for free shipping and 365 day returns. Wait, why did you say it was embarrassing that you had a heartbreak? Why is that embarrassing? Oh, oh, you caught me. <laughs> so it was a relationship that was probably, I should have known better in a sense, like right from the beginning, I knew it. But you know, there's a part of me, I think that has a certain, hopefully charming recklessness <laughs> where sometimes I just go for something because it's just too shiny to not. And I can't say I regret one second of it, but it did not go in in the direction that I'd hoped. And I was more heartbroken over the fact that I recognized that this relationship wasn't going in the right direction. And even though it was fantastic, I had to stop. Mm -hmm. And I had never really had to do something. That was really hard to be in love and say, this is not going to end well for me. I wanted to age gracefully. And I felt that in the context of this relationship, that would have been harder to do. Uh, he was younger than I was. And we had a conscious, uncoupling, <laughs> you know, kind of motivated by me. And I had to be a grown up. And I had to honor my experience and my knowledge and my wisdom and say, this is not going well. And then I had to do something also hard, but obviously, which has led me here today to kind of wind around to your point, which is decide that maybe I'm a person who can't write my novel if I'm in a relationship like that, mm. all consuming. I know lots of people do, but maybe I had to stop with the men. <laughs> just focus on, and my kids were launched. So I had that runway. Mm -hmm. And so that's why it's a little bit embarrassing because it's, you know, my writing life has been so impacted by my personal life. And I even had to sort of strip down my personal life in order to get this work done. And of course, that's been the right decision. Of course, you know, absolutely. So that's why it's embarrassing because it's revealing more than I want to reveal. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't think it's embarrassing. I think that's super relatable. Everybody has, you know, been in relationships that maybe they're not proud of, or maybe they knew wasn't right. They yeah. might not be right, but you, you know, all of that. I just saw it all. I yeah. Well, good for you. I mean, yeah. For, Exactly. Putting on the well, brakes. I mean, that's the uh, bonus and also the curse of being in your mid fifties. It's like, okay. Meanwhile, you have some stuff in here about, you know, later in life sexuality with the egg whites. Is that a thing? Is that a thing? I was like reading, I was like, I didn't even know that. <laughs> that is a thing. I'm not going to reveal how I know that, okay. but that is not, it's, it is definitely a thing. I don't know if it's like a medically approved thing. So I don't recommend anybody experiment with that <laughs> on my say so, because I don't really, I'm a fiction writer, but no, it is, it is a thing. That's so funny. Oh my gosh. We were talking before we started recording about how I was saying this is such a great movie. This feels like such an indie film, like dark and amazing. And I can just like see it and feel it maybe because you wrote in such a visual way to begin with that I already feel like I saw the whole thing in my head and you were having some casting. Were you having some casting? So who, who is it? Who is your wish list? On, oh, on the so I 
love like a give me a Maura Tierney or a Diane Lane, even Robin Wright, who's mm-hmm. you know just complex women who you can always see that there's a lot going on behind their eyes in a sense. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so, of course, I want that. But also this character has a lightness to her and, you know, a love of life that nothing, no trauma has really flattened. And as many times as she falls down, she gets up. And so there's an openness, too, that, you know, I think would be so wonderful to capture on screen. I love how she navigates her looks Mm -hmm. and still cares about them yep. and is trying to figure out a new way to look at herself mm-hmm. so that the changes aren't depressing every day mm-hmm. because, you know, I'm sure, you know, and I know, and sometimes I do it too. There's, you know, some days where I just can't get out of my own way looks wise. And, mm-hmm. and I'm like, I am literally avoiding mirrors. And so I wanted to capture that, but I didn't want it to be handicapping her. I mean, she has to figure out how to manage that and keep moving and also not present it to the world. Because if you're truly vain, you don't want anyone to see all that going on. No, it's you want so to funny. manage that presentation to the world. <laughs> you're such a, like, you're really beautiful, like an elegant oh. woman. No, seriously. The fact that you would have a day where you're like avoiding the mirror. I mean, seriously, you have such a elegant look. I'm like, really? You're going to wake up and avoid the mirror? Then what does it say about the rest of the people? You know? <laughs> yeah, I, of course I struggle. I mean, I had a mother who was, you know, I, yeah, but, uh, yeah. as my daughter would say, okay, boomer, don't start launching into, you know, all this. It's a long time ago and long forgotten. But, you know, certainly I had a great mother, but she did dump green beans in a can, in a can, into a pot. And she was very concerned with presentation is the way I'd put it. And that's something that I have, you know, worked to leave behind, mostly. (laughs) My my grandmother passed away recently at 97 and, you know, was going to curves until the end. And should I eat this? Should I not? And all that. And she, but what she did say to me, she's like, you know, nobody told me I looked good until I was like 90. She's like, all of a sudden, everybody's like, you look amazing. She's like, I've never looked better. I love the curves thing. That is brilliant. Brilliant. Yeah. 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 So what do you like to read? Oh, I just actually, I keep a list, of course. I don't even know why I keep a list of everything I read, but I'm going to just take a quick look at it. I mean, I'm sure you do, but it's your job. I guess it's my job too. Oh, I read the Elizabeth Strout. I loved. Mm -hmm. Oh, William. Mm -hmm. It was great. I loved... I actually really liked the Franzen. I know that's controversial these days, especially with women writers, but I kind of liked it. I thought he took on the topic of religion in a way that was very balanced and it is a fraught topic. Mm-hmm. And I thought he did a pretty good job with it. So I loved that. I've been reading Joan Silber, which whom mm-hmm. I've never read. And wow, you know, I feel like I've stumbled into this land of wonders and it just an amazing writer. I read The Inland Sea, Hmm. which is a climate change novel set in Australia. 
But it's also very Sally Rooney-ish. Mm-hmm. It's about a relationship. The relationship is kind of the backdrop. I mean, the climate change is kind of the backdrop to the relationship stuff. And I thought that was great. I'm just starting. I'm hoping to write a little bit of a more... I'm working on a third novel and called The Good Provider. And it's a little bit more, I don't want to use the word thriller because it's too early in the process Mm -hmm, for me mm -hmm. to say I'm doing that. So I'm reading some Graham Greene now, just that, you know, kind of old school, slow unfolding of tension. I love that as a reader. Yep. So that's my short list. There's more, many more. No, I love it. I love it. Yeah. I keep, I keep reading. I keep looking. I'm always taking notes on what you're reading. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Last question. What advice do you have for aspiring authors? I mean, my day job in a sense is I do editorial development with writers. And in fact, I'm looking, I keep glancing over to my left. I know we're on a podcast, but I keep looking to my left because I have four manuscripts right now that are in the end stages of work with these, each of these authors. And one of the things that I have come to learn in a very compressed time frame because I started so late and I learned, I had to learn on the job in a sense. I don't have an MFA. I'm not a big writing workshop person, but along the way, the issues you face that slow you down or make you feel like you can't do it are not like those issues weren't Stephanie issues. Mm -hmm. They were writer issues. And I didn't really know that. I thought I was making, I couldn't Mm -hmm. do it. I wasn't experienced enough. I hadn't had an MFA program. And then the more craft I read and listened to online, the more I understood that every time I hit like a big challenge, it was a challenge that other writers had hit too Mm -hmm. at that same point in time. You know, the dead middle. I mean, I could go through a long list. So one of the things that's been most gratifying in working with other writers is to open their eyes to that moment when they feel like I'm just not cut out for this. It's too hard because novel writing is hard. It's Mm -hmm. world building. But is to help them understand that that's part of the process. That's not a stop sign. That's a yield sign. Mm. I love so that. that's been very gratifying because I work with such talented people who are who I want to succeed. You know, <laughs> I have a lot invested in it. And so seeing that realization occur for me is like, it's just fantastic. Really good. So that's my big kind of headline news about that, which is it's process, not failure. Amazing. Stephanie, thank you. Thank you for all this. I want to like continue this over lunch or something. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm glad we're so close by and that that's that could be in the cards. And I, again, Absolutely. I just loved this book and your writing style and I can't wait to read your next book. And now I have to go back and read your last book, but anyway. Oh yeah, that one's a little bit of a romp. I okay, think all right. You like it. it. And I like that sleeping dog in the background. So thank you, yes. Yeah, that helps. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks so much. All right. Thank you. See ya. Okay. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. 
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.